Well, good morning. And just so you know, that did wash off their wall. We did not ruin their wall, so it, it came off. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're a guest with us today, I just want to remind you, stop by guest services. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to get to know you, especially as maybe you're thinking about making Central your church home. We're just here to answer questions and, and get to know you. So I hope you'll consider that. All right, you just participated in worship, so I need to continue with that participation, okay? Can you participate with me this morning? Can everybody put your hand up? Everybody raise your hand. See, everybody's participating. Everybody gets the medal today. Okay, so keep your hand up. Now, I want you to put your hand down if you've ever been impacted by someone not controlling their tongue. So they've said something that's hurt your feelings. They've talked about you. They've gossiped about you. They've, they've done something with their words that has impacted you in a negative way. Yeah. You look around and no one has their hand up, do they? Every single one of us have been impacted in one way or another by an uncontrolled tongue. In fact, I bet that a lot of the things you're going through right now, maybe some relationship struggles or challenges... I bet you you can find your way tied back to an uncontrolled tongue. All right, one more time. Everybody put your hand up. See, you guys are getting good. Good. All right, so I want you to put your hand down this time if you've ever been impacted by a controlled tongue. Someone's encouraged you. Someone has motivated you. Someone has lifted you up. Someone has maybe shared the gospel with you. And through those words, you have been encouraged. Yeah, you look around again and we see that everyone's hand is down. See, it's impossible for us to go through life without being impacted in some way by the tongue, both good and bad. There's power in words. Look at this proverb here. The tongue has the power of life and death. And based off of your response just a moment ago, you would agree with me that you've experienced that in your own life. You've experienced it where someone's uncontrolled tongue has hurt. The pain is real, and it stayed with you. And on the other hand, you, you've had someone encourage you, motivate you, share the gospel with you, and you've experienced life that can come from words. You know, there's power in words. Words are powerful. And so I think that's why today, as we go through James chapter 3, you're going to hear from James, and he's pretty blunt. <laughs> He's pretty bold in what he says. It might step on our toes a little bit, as Pastor Bob says. But I think James realizes the power in our words. He's experienced it in his own life, and he knows the stakes are too high not to address it in a very clear and yet bold way for us here this morning. So he's going to do that, and we're going to hear from him. We're going to hear and we're going to look at some of the dangers that James warns us about in regards to the tongue. And then we're going to turn and we're going to look at how do we control our tongue so that we can be one of those that uses our words to speak life. All right? Would you stand with me out of respect for God's word as we read from James chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray. Father, I pray that our words will bring life. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
All right, so when we look at James 3, 2, it's important for us to look at this a little bit closer, and especially maybe you're an unbeliever in the room today, or maybe you're newer to the Bible. It's important for us to take a deeper look and and not read it just at surface level, because when we do, we see that word perfect, and we might think of it in regards of perfection, and that's not what James is using here. You see this word when we really look at the definition and we look a little bit deeper, It's better described, or the definition we better to look at it is the word mature. So we see that anyone who is never at fault in what they say is mature, able to keep their whole body in check. It's the idea that we've been talking about, isn't it? That real faith provides real evidence. So here's what James is saying out of this. Real faith is evident by a controlled tongue. Maybe a different way to say that would be Christian maturity is evident by the extent to which we do or don't control our tongue. The more we control our tongue, the more mature we are in our walk and in our faith. This is kind of the umbrella in which all James chapter 3 is kind of unpacked under. So don't lose this perspective that maturity is found in the control of the tongue. So now we're going to take a look at what does James say about the tongue? He, he gives us some real warnings and some dangers, and we want to look at a few of those this morning to better understand what we're up against. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. If any of you didn't believe me that James was going to come at it pretty strong, I think we can read in there that he's pretty serious, isn't he? He, he comes at it with some pretty strong words. And he says, in fact, that our tongue is a fire. Now, all of us, we know the dangers of fire, don't we? We know that fire is destructive. Whatever it comes in contact with, it destroys And even if we go back to try to rebuild that home or rebuild whatever property or whatever is destroyed, it just never goes back to the way it was. Fire is one of those things that we talk about with our kids about being safe with. And so if a kid was up here, see if we can get a light, and playing with fire and striking matches and wandering around with it, we would tell the kid to stop, wouldn't we? We'd be saying, that's dangerous. Stop playing with fire. But what do you and I do? We we don't take it that serious, do we? James says our words are fire, and yet we just throw them around carelessly like they don't matter. I'm not going to strike it again because I don't want to burn the place down, and I don't think you want that either. But we we take our words, and they're, they're fire, and we just toss them around. Oh, there's a little bit of gossip there. There's a little swearing there, maybe a little joke at work, and, and we throw them around like they don't matter, like, it's okay, it's just every once in a while. I'll just throw it out there, it's not a big deal what comes from my mouth. And then we begin to wonder, and we're surprised when all of a sudden we find ourselves in the middle of a blaze. I didn't see that one coming. How, how did that happen? It's because our words are fire, and we can't be careless with it. We have to think about the environment we're in. You think about being in Kansas, we we have burn bans sometimes, don't we? 
We have burn bans because the environment is prime for a fire and a fire that spreads and that's going to be very destructive. Think about the environments we're in right now. The last few years, the environments we're in have really dried up, haven't they? It doesn't take much for the spark to catch and for the fire to burn bright. Think about it in politics. All you got to say is one thing and there is a fire. You've experienced it in your workplace, haven't you? Maybe you said something or someone else said something and all of a sudden your work is burning and you couldn't see it coming. You didn't realize that your words were going to make that kind of a difference. It happens in our families. It's been like that the last few years. One little thing said that you didn't mean and all of a sudden something is burning right in the middle of your family. The environment is dry and we have to be careful because James says our words are fire and one little spark, it catches everything ablaze. Let's look what else James says. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Right before this, James is talking about all of the wild beasts and all of the animals we've been able to tame over the years. You guys have all been to a zoo. I take my kids to the zoo in the summer and we go and some of the things that they're able to get these animals to do, it's amazing, isn't it? James says we can tame these animals. We can tame these wild beasts, but we can't tame the tongue. Now I know some of you are thinking right now, yes, there's my out. There's my out. I can't control my tongue and James just said it, so what am I supposed to do? I want to be careful of that this morning because it says no human being can tame the tongue. That means you and I can't, but that leaves the door open for someone else that does have the power to control the tongue. And we'll get to that in just a minute. James talks about the tongue being restless. That means that it's never content. It's always just kind of lurking and moving and always looking for an opportunity to chime in. We're always looking for an opportunity to share what, what we think is best or, or the words that come to our mind. My daughter shared with me a book from school when I was talking about preaching on this subject. She said, Dad, you need this book. She brought home this book, and it was titled, My Mouth is a Volcano. It was really fitting. And it just talked about sometimes my mouth, it just erupts, right? It's restless. I can't keep still. I just have to let it out. And you know, it used to be that when we got a little restless, we'd have to have someone else there to have dialogue with to hear what comes out of our mouth. But it's interesting that, you know, there's another body part that is very similar in size to the tongue that seems to come out, especially when we're restless. You know what it is? It's your thumb. Now we don't have to talk verbally. We do this, don't we? We get a little restless and we grab our phone and, man, it's pretty easy to get to social media it's pretty easy to get online, and guess what? We can say whatever we want, whenever we want. we got to be careful because we might think, oh, that's not my tongue, but it is. It may not come out of our, our mouth, but it is still our words showing up in that form, and it is coming from a restless tongue. we got to be careful. Let's look at this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Within this same context of, of these verses, James asks his audience a question. And he says, can a fig tree produce olives? Now for them, that would have been very common. Fig trees were all around, right? So for you and I, it might be, sound something more like, can an apple tree produce oranges? And if I were to ask you that question, you'd say, no, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. And that's what James is saying. It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Because you see, a fig tree produces figs because what is produced on the outside, it comes from the nature of what's on the inside. That fig tree, at its core, its nature is a fig tree, so it is going to produce figs. You and I, what, what comes from our mouth comes from our nature. It comes from our identity. And so for you and me, it shouldn't be, our, our words, our tongue shouldn't be controlled by the environment in which we are in. It should be a reflection of our nature. And if it's a reflection of our nature, just as the fig tree is always going to produce figs, you and I, we should always produce, be producing the right kind of words, Right? So that means in this passage when James is talking about sometimes we praise God and other times we curse others, our, our words, our tongues should be consistent. We can't show up to the house of the Lord and be worshiping like we did and praising and, and, and have this amazing, amazing, almost angel-like tongue in here and then turn around and have something different throughout the week. Our tongue it comes from the nature within. And if our nature is different, the way we talk, it should be the same in here as it is on the golf course or the weight room or with, with your friends for coffee in the morning or, or getting together for, for lunch or wherever it is that you find yourself in. Your words, your tongue should not be controlled and changed based off the environment. It should be consistent based upon the nature of what's within. Now, I would ask you, so, so what's important? What, why do we need to work to control our tongue? Well, again, I would go back to James 3, 2, where it talks about maturity. You see, earlier in the passage, James talks about, and he gives two great examples of a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. And how they are small, and yet they control something so much larger. They have power, though. And the point of the bit and the rudder is to guide that object to a destination. You and I, we have a destination to arrive to. You see, the destination that you and I are trying to arrive to is like what James said, maturity. You and I want to look more like Jesus. We want to sound more like Jesus. And so for you and I, our goal is to become more like Jesus and become more mature in our walk and in our faith. And a controlled tongue, James is telling us, helps us arrive at that destination of maturity. An uncontrolled tongue, we lose control of the tongue and we will not arrive at that place of maturity. Now, I don't know about you, but looking at a, just those three examples of danger of the tongue that James gives, it's kind of easy to feel a little beat up, right? <laughs> Feels like you got in a boxing ring with a heavyweight fighter and, and you took a couple good shots. 
all of us can relate to those examples of struggling to control our tongue. But what I would tell you is that James, what he's really doing is, is helping us to see that we can't do this on our own. We, we, we can't control our tongue. We need help. And the good news is, is that there is someone that wants to come alongside, someone that wants to come into your life and my life to help us be able to take control. James is pointing us to the gospel. Do you realize that? We can't do it on our own. We need saving. We need help. We need Jesus. And so as hard as it is for us to hear maybe some of those examples from James, the good news is, is it should be opening our eyes and pointing us to our need for Jesus. And so now we're going to take a look and we're going to see how how do we take control of the tongue? What, What are the ways in which maybe we can arrive at that destination of maturity? And the first thing is this, it's through Jesus. There's no other way around it. Change begins and takes place in a life with Jesus. He brings the change into our life. Look at this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment For every empty word they have spoken, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Did you see that everything, including our words, what comes out of our mouth, starts in our heart? That means that if we want what comes out of our mouth to change, our heart has to change. And the only way our heart changes is by first giving it to Jesus. By accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, by acknowledging, I can't do this life on my own, Jesus. I need you in my life. I need you. Now, I know you might be thinking, okay, well, I have surrendered my life. I have accepted Jesus, but it's still hard. I still struggle to control my tongue. You're right. James said we all stumble. We all still stumble. Maturity is a growth process. But I would also ask you, okay, if you've given your life to Christ and maybe you're really, really struggling with it, I would ask, have you fully surrendered and let go? Or are you still trying to control your tongue by your own merits, by your own power and own strength? Maybe you need to fully surrender that and give it to God so that he will start doing the work in you that's needed through self-control. When we give our life to Jesus, we know that what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Look at this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We just saw James. He outlined and laid out for us what the tongue looks like when it's controlled by the flesh. And I don't think any of us want that, do you? No, so when we walk by the Spirit, when we walk through life in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we begin to gratify those desires less and less in our life. And we replace it with the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We see all of these start showing up in our speech as we walk with the Spirit 
But I want to draw our attention to that last one in there in self-control because that is something we need so drastically in our speech to be able to hold back sometimes what just wants to come pouring out. So we walk by the Spirit so that the fruit will be evident in our speech through silence, through that self-control. Now, I think we'd all agree that the world could use a little more silence. The world could probably use all of us talking a little bit less. Look at this, back to James 119. Pastor Bob used this quote, or this verse, in, in the first sermon. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If we're going to be slow to speak, that means taking a pause. If you're waiting to respond or waiting to say something in there, there, there's a slowness in there, and that slowness, it's a silence. Silence keeps us from saying the things sometimes that we shouldn't say. Now, I know that we've all prayed this prayer before, right? God, give me the words to say in this moment, right? I I can think about how meeting with families to get ready for a funeral when they've lost a loved one. That's one of the prayers I pray every time before I go into that meeting. God, give me the words. Help me to know what words I need to say in this situation and for this family. You've prayed that before. You found yourself helping the homeless or calling a friend who just lost a loved one and and asking, God, give me the words. And God always gives us the words. But I wonder how many times we pray the prayer, God, help me to stay quiet. Help me not to say the words that I shouldn't. Help me to keep my mouth closed. Look what David said in the Psalms. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. David knew that his words had gotten him in trouble before, and he was asking God, God, help guard my mouth. Help keep me from saying the things that I shouldn't say. Keep it in there. Don't let it come out. So I wonder if you and I maybe need to start praying that prayer every once in a while. God, yes, give me the words I need to say, but help me to keep the ones I shouldn't. Help me to keep them inside. Help me to remain silent and not share that. In our silence, we can process some of our speech through filters. Now, I know sometimes we say things without really thinking about it, but I'm encouraging us that in those moments of silence and and as we're waiting and being slow to speak, to, to have our words process them a little bit, take them through some filters, okay? And here's the filters. First, is it true? Is what I'm about to say, is it true? And not I think it's true or it's probably true, but do I know it's true. In Proverbs 6, we see the things that are detestable to God. Do you know what one of them is? A lying tongue. That ought to be the first place we start. Think about how much wouldn't be said in our world if we, just, if we only did that. If we just stopped if it wasn't true. So the first filter I want to encourage us today is stop and think, is what I'm about to say, is it true? Second thing, is it needed? 
What is it that I'm about to say? Do I really need to say it? What do I hope comes from it? What what is God asking me to say and why? Is it needed? Do I need to share it with them or do I need to keep this to myself? Maybe it's confidential. Maybe it shouldn't be shared. You know, in the church, a lot of times, things can get around pretty quick, can't they? And sometimes I worry when it comes to this one and that filter is, is we find something out or we go to share something with someone and we're sharing and we say, hey, this is what's going on and this is what's happening. And then we say, hey, hey, keep it quiet. I, I'm not supposed to tell anyone, but I'm just telling you so you can pray about it. Now, I'm not trying to stop prayer. I believe in prayer. Prayer is powerful. We need to be praying for one another in situations. But sometimes I wonder if we take gossip and we go to share something and then we just stamp it with prayer at the end to make it feel okay. I think we really have to look at that. We have to ask ourselves that. Because again, back to Proverbs 6, one of the things that's detestable to God is someone who stirs up conflict within the church, within the community, within the body. And one of the fastest ways to do that is through gossip. So we should ask ourselves, is it needed? And if it's not, stop. Don't share it. If it is, go to the last one. Is it kind? Back to the fruit of the Spirit. Putting it through that test and that filter is, is it Spirit-filled? Is it gentle? Is it good? Is it kind? I want to share with you a story from this past week from, from my life and how I use these filters and I use what we're talking about today. I was down in Dallas for a conference and so I was sitting in a hotel room and I was at a desk and I was studying and I was preparing and I was working on the sermon and, and getting everything ready when my phone beeped. My phone beeped and it was my wife and so I went, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to see what she needs. I'm out of town. And it was a picture of our daughters at a color run this past week. Color run is where they just run around at school or an event, and they throw these color powder packets on each other, and it's just a mess, right? There's color everywhere. And I see this picture, and for some reason, what stood out to me in the picture was that my daughter was wearing her new shoes. (laughs) Yeah. We just got her these new shoes for summer, And in the picture, I see them, and I got to be honest with you, what came to my mind was this. I grabbed my phone, and I started to type a message to my wife that almost said, are you kidding? She's wearing her new shoes. I hope you're ready to clean them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're going to learn from this one. I did. (laughs) And in that moment, before I hit send, The Holy Spirit just grabbed me and shook me and said, what are you doing? You are sitting at a desk right now preparing a sermon on controlling your tongue. Stop. Put it through the filter. And so I did. I went, is it true? Yeah, it's true. Shoes are dirty. They need cleaned. Is it needed? Yes. And then I learned that if you answer yes the first time, you should probably ask again. And I said, is it needed? And I went, no, it's not needed. (laughs) Let's say it was, though. Is it kind? No. No, it it wouldn't have been received. It would have really hurt my wife. It's not something that I should have shared or, or said to her in that moment. 
I'm not proud to share that story with you, but it shows how hard it is for us to control our tongue. And it points to the power of God being able to do it in our lives when we walk with him and we listen for his voice. The hardest part about it was I had to stop in that moment and we talk about everything comes from our heart. That means that wasn't just something random that came to my lips. I had to stop and I had to ask God, God, Where's that coming from? What is it that's in my heart that that's the response? That that's what I was about to say. God, what is wrong in my heart that I need you to fix? That's a hard place to be, but that's the place we have to end up when when those words come out or they come to our mind. We can't just dismiss them and make excuses. We have to recognize that it's coming from somewhere and we need God to work on that and change it. You know, I came home and, and I talked to my wife about it and I said, hey, I almost said this, which again, I would not recommend doing because it's like saying it. But <laughs> I came home, I wanted to learn from it. I said, hey, I'm using this example on Sunday and I, would, I just want to hear your side of it. I want to learn. I want us to learn from it. I said, so tell me about it. She said, well, you know, I knew those were the new shoes. So I tried to get our daughter to wear the old ones. But she told me that they were hurting her feet so bad that she wasn't going to be able to run with her friends. And so my mom heart just wouldn't let her put those shoes on. Right? Man, just drive it in even further. I said, okay, what would it have been like if I would have sent that message? She said, it would have hurt. Man, it would have hurt really bad. You see... I almost started a fire for no reason. I almost started a fire in our marriage for no reason, over shoes, over kids' shoes being dirty. My wife did nothing wrong. There was something in my heart in that moment that God had to address. And that's the power of God in our speeches. He doesn't want the fire in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces. He wants to control our tongue so that we can speak life. I ended up sending a message back, luckily, (laughs) that said, man, it looks like a lot of fun. I wish I was there. Man, you know the difference in those two messages? Those are drastically different in how they were received. One was going to speak death, (laughs) and one was able to speak life into it. It's hard for us to control it, but God can. But we have to listen. We have to be obedient. Last one is this, is through wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Again, James's whole thing has been real faith, real evidence. He says, show that you have wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We see a lot of the characteristics of wisdom matching the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. We shouldn't be surprised because they both come from God. But when it comes to wisdom, wisdom is the knowledge that comes through understanding. And so God's wisdom is so important for us because it helps take control of our mind. 
and our thoughts to be able to see things differently, to look at things differently. And so we need to be able to look through the lens that God is looking through. If you don't have the wisdom, James tells us, right? Ask God. Ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you. We need God's wisdom so that our minds can be controlled by God. And when our mind is controlled, guess what? It impacts our speech as well. When we see things and look at things differently through God's lens, it changes what ends up coming out of our mouth when we have a completely different perspective. James talks about at the end here, reaping and sowing. You know, we all sow and reap every single day. Our life, everything that we do day in, day out, it is planting seeds and we are reaping the harvest of that, good or bad. And so today, if you find yourself in a spot where you're going, you know what, I like what I'm reaping. I I think the relationships are going great. I think what's coming from my mouth, I think, hey, there's not fires burning. Nope, not me. I guess keep sowing what you're sowing because you're going to keep reaping what you're happy about. But I would say for most of us, we find ourselves in a place that, you know what, there's some hard things, aren't there, in our relationships? There's some times where we're having a hard time controlling our tongue. And if you don't like what's coming from that, how, how you're living and what's coming out of your mouth and, and the product of that, what you're reaping in your marriage, in your families, in your workplace, then today, you got to start planting something different. Can't keep sowing the same thing and think something's going to change. Today, you got to sow something different. So I want to encourage you, as, as James pointed us in a bold and blunt way to our need for Jesus and pointing us to the gospel, I want to encourage you that today, the choices that you need to make before you leave are this. If you've never accepted Jesus... If you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life, you need to make that decision today. You you need to make that choice. And if that's you, then I want to encourage you after service to go out in the foyer and there's a place called Starting Point and go out there and have a conversation with some of our leaders out there who would love to talk to you more and walk you through that. For the rest of us, we've got to make sure that we completely surrender this morning. That we stop trying to control our tongue through our own strength because as you've seen and I've seen, it's not working. And it doesn't work. But we have to surrender our heart in a way that says, God, have your way. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my heart. That's the decision you need to make before you leave today. And as you go then, this afternoon and throughout the week, then you're able to walk by the Spirit and to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and and to maybe use some of those filters in your speech when you're being slow to speak and being silent, right? There's some very practical things in there, but it all starts with our relationship with Jesus. It has to start there. And I want you to know that as hard as it is to control our tongues, God wants to use your tongue. He wants to use your voice. He wants you to be someone that speaks life into your spouse, and into your marriage. He wants you to be the one that speaks life into your family, and into your workplace, and into this community. Your words are powerful. 
when they're God's words and when they're harnessed through his power, through his strength, and through his control. You and I have an incredible opportunity to be God's ambassadors, to be his mouthpiece, and he wants to use you. He wants to use you to speak life. I hope you're willing to let him take control of your life and to take control of your tongue so that when other people are thinking back to when you raised your hand and you said people have spoken into your life and encouraged you and motivated you and shared the gospel with you, I hope that when other people think back to that same question, they think of you. That you're who comes to their mind in that moment. Yeah, I know somebody that spoke life. They were a follower of Jesus. Man, they impacted my life. They made a difference. Man, that was a mature believer. Let's pray. Father, it is hard at times. It is hard at times to control our tongue, and we know we can't do it on our own. So, Father, I just pray that in this room today, our hearts will be surrendered, that we will choose to walk with you throughout life, and that we will rest in your power, allowing you to control our tongue so that what comes from our mouth is life. Father, we want to be a people. We want to be mature believers who speak life into the people, into the situations, in the environments around us. And I know it's hard sometimes. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations, but we can still do it in a way that honors you, God. So take control. Take control of our words. Take control of our tongue. But most importantly, God, take control of our heart. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing? You know, today is just the beginning of the week and we learn that we can bless God through our words. It is an actually an act of worship. So I want to encourage you as you go out this week, have a great week of worship. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. God bless you.